antimicrobials underpin safe and functioning and prosperous societies. And so collaboration is at the heart of everything we do. Hello, and welcome to the THE Connect podcast. This episode is produced in partnership with the University of Liverpool. I'm your host, Ashton Wenborn. Antimicrobial resistance is one of the greatest threats to modern healthcare, occurring when microorganisms evolve to resist the effects of the drugs designed to combat them. Antimicrobial resistance not only renders treatments ineffective, but also poses a significant risk to public health by reducing the effectiveness of preventative measures, such as vaccines, and increasing the likelihood of infections that are difficult or impossible to treat. I'm joined today by Alison Holmes, William Hope and Ishval Singh, who are world-leading researchers in the field of antimicrobial resistance at the University of Liverpool. They will be speaking with me about their work at the Centre of International Efforts to Optimise Antimicrobials, whether that's developing new antibiotics or preventing and managing infectious diseases. So thank you all for joining us today. Would you each like to introduce yourselves to the listeners and give us a brief overview of your role at the university and the work you do? I'll start. Um, Ashton, so I... uh trained in infectious diseases and clinical microbiology in Australia and then came to the UK for my research training where I became interested in medical mycology and then uh, the development of antimicrobial resistance, which is, as you introduced, is where antibiotics don't work anymore. Um, And I became especially interested in the development of new drugs, not only new chemical entities, but how new drugs could be developed for special populations, such as premature neonates, for example, Uh, And then more recently, in the ways that antimicrobials can be used to prevent the emergence of resistance, and increasingly interested in the way that data are shared between different parts of the health economy to make sure that we can use antimicrobials sustainably and precisely. So that really encapsulates my research interests. Thank you. And Alison, maybe you'd like to go next. Certainly. Well, um, thank you, Ashton. So um, my name's Alison Holmes. I'm uh, my background is in infectious diseases. I'm the David Price Evans Chair in Global Health and Infectious Diseases at the University of Liverpool, and I've been doing a lot of work around how we can actually use antimicrobials much more effectively to also address issues about accessing effective treatment now and in the future. So really interested in the issue about access to effective treatment um, and not just the issue about new antimicrobials, but how can we use what we have better and how can we use anything we may see in the future? I'm also particularly interested in the kind of broader issues about optimizing antimicrobial use by actually preventing infections to start with so that we don't need to use them. So um, William mentioned vaccines, or you mentioned vaccines in your intro, but there are other ways of preventing infections when we also think about prescribing within hospitals across Europe and dealing with the kind of most basic issues around preventing infections so that we don't need to use antimicrobials until they're absolutely necessary. And then how we can use research around technology and innovation and also kind of social sciences in terms of how we can deal with this huge challenge. And, you know, it's great within the University of Liverpool to have such a mix of expertise and skills 
both in the kind of in the basic research domains um, and the, in the science necessary, but also in the humanities to be able to bring that all together is 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 such a great opportunity. Hi, Ashton. I'm Ishwar Singh, and I am interested in antimicrobial drug discovery and the development of innovative molecules to tackle antimicrobial resistance. Antimicrobial resistance presents a serious challenge to global health due to increasing bacterial resistance against currently used antibiotics and the lack of new classes of antibiotics to combat resistance bacterial pathogen. In 2019, sadly, almost 5 million people lost their life due to antibiotic resistance associated infections. Moreover, the development pipeline of innovative molecules, innovative antimicrobials is nearly dry. As a group, we aspire to bring new hope to improve and save lives currently lost due to AMR. We aim to achieve this by refreshing the antimicrobial pipeline with innovative molecules. Nature does wonderful things such as making natural products. We take our inspiration from nature and simplify these promising natural products to improve their efficacy, safety, scalability, while reducing the cost to make these viable products for antibiotic development. It's interesting to hear about the different angles and intervention points that you're all coming to this issue from. And I think because Liverpool is such a world leader in this space, there are multiple lines of research happening at once. So it would be great to hear more about the ways that collaboration on campus can happen and how Liverpool's investment in this research is supporting that kind of cross-disciplinary work. Alison, I know that you're working in the Centre for Antimicrobial Optimization Network, so maybe we can start there. We're absolutely delighted that this initiative, the um, this network, this global network of centres of antimicrobial optimization, um, funded by the Welcome and spearheaded in the UK with a kind of collaboration between University of Liverpool and Imperial College, is is being launched and 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 this is really exciting so this is around the optimizing of antimicrobials in humans can i just can i just point out that whilst i'm going to talk about the human aspect i just want to flag that the opportunities for the work in terms of collaboration about a kind of one health approach um at liverpool are absolutely enormous so getting back to your question which is about this global network I mean, this is this is the first time that such kind of equitable research has been funded where we're going to be working in partnerships with our um, colleagues around the world where they will be receiving their own funding to look at their own priorities, whilst we will all be collaborating in terms of of, of developing the science, addressing the research questions, providing technical support and training, developing excellence in research administration, in knowledge mobilization. But we will all be doing it with different countries, all working together with global technical support. And the amount of expertise at the University of Liverpool that's actually supported getting this off the ground has been really impressive. 
And it's going to be really exciting to work with our collaborators in South America, Asia, Africa on, on this, this project. But as, as I said, this, is, this one is specifically for human health and it's specifically around antibacterials. But it will be addressing three major issues about innovation and technology to optimize use, looking also at context, culture and behavior to um, improve use and also to look at medicines management and prescribing systems as well, because it's really important that those areas that have been identified as major research gaps are, are addressed and are addressed with national priorities and with experts around the globe. So it's really exciting and it, it's um, fantastic that this all can be launched from Liverpool. William, I think that you're working with the Global Antibiotic Research and Development Partnership. Are you having a similar experience to Alison in terms of how those international collaborations are supporting your research? Well, to build on Alison's introduction about CamoNet, their drug resistance cuts across absolutely everything in our society. You know, it, antimicrobials underpin safe and functioning and prosperous societies. And so collaboration is at the heart of everything we do. The days of being alone or a fortress are long gone. We, we work with all sorts of partners and GARD-P, um, the Global Antimicrobial Discovery and Development Partnership, is a not-for-profit organization that spun out of DNDI in Switzerland with, with the idea of addressing some of the issues that Alison has been talking about in global health and drug resistance. There's no, there's no point fixing problems in the UK when we live in a global world. And so GARDP is addressing some of these issues. Their particular problem was that they wanted to develop new regimens for premature neonates throughout the world. They didn't quite know which drugs to study and they didn't quite know which dosages and schedules of those drugs to study. And so instead of guessing, uh, which could be very costly if, if, if wrong choices are made, incorrect choices are made, we use some of the, the modeling systems that we have in Liverpool to try and gain evidence for appropriate dosages. And that was highly successful and has now led to major, significant global studies in premature neonates. And that's just one of many challenges. And that paradigm of using very well-characterized experimental models and bridging that to the clinic to make streamlined clinical trials, to make smart choices and to make sure you get the right answer the first time is a fantastic way of doing things rather than repetitively guessing and getting things wrong. And so that's really what that collaboration is about. The experimental modelling that you mentioned, that idea of getting it right the first time, is that supported by Liverpool's investment in this work and the fact that you have access to these cutting edge modelling structures? I know that the Antimicrobial Pharmacodynamics and Therapeutics Group has access to the labs at Liverpool. So could you tell me more about why that lab is so important and how your access to it is changing the way that you can do your work? So Ashton, that was, it's been built over the years, um, most recently by an injection from the Department of Health for um, a, a capital grant that has enabled us, enabled us to build you know, state-of-the-art facilities and what are those facilities? Well, there is, there's an experimental component to all antimicrobial development uh, schemes, and that, so that's wet laboratory models. Um, there are the ability to measure drug 
and do that quickly and efficiently and accurately. So that takes quite a lot of kit. And so it's really the combination of those things. And of course, you're dealing with containment issues. I mean, you you have to be careful with what you're working with. And so it's all it's all of the know-how and biosafety issues that go around that. And, and why is it important? Well, there's there are two reasons. There's the ethical reason for getting it right the first time. So you minimize harm and getting to the right answer. Maybe more directly is that it's a regulatory requirement. You can't get drugs and regimens registered or licensed without that work being done. And so it takes expertise. And we've been lucky enough to to build that expertise over the last decade or so and um, remain one of the centers in the world that can do that. Ishvar, in the introduction that you gave to your work, you spoke about the lives that have been lost as a result of antimicrobial resistance. Can you elaborate on your work in synthetic antibiotics? Developing innovative antimicrobials is challenging and transforming a molecule into a medicine is a journey because it must undergo robust testing and could cost millions of pounds. So going with one molecules, let's say one natural product, is not a viable option. Therefore, a library of molecules, which is often required to mitigate potential failures. So now I would discuss how we are trying to approach this problem. So we use natural products as a starting point for our work. And natural products are usually complex molecule, you will get one or two and different kind of, you know, natural products. So what we do, we simplify these molecules and develop a library of simple molecules, which can be scaled up using low cost of materials. So we use this process to select desirable drug-like qualities to maximize their therapeutic potential and important requirement uh, drug development. And we are interested, especially in approach where one drug can hit multiple targets in bacteria to minimize the development of resistance, because that's one of the key challenges. For example, we have applied this process to a natural antibiotic called taxobactin, which was discovered in 2015, to address its developmental challenges such as safety, scalability. And uh, I would like to say something about uh, taxobactin a little bit here. Taxobactin is labeled as a game changer as it kills the bacteria such as MRSA without detectable resistance and hits multiple targets. So that, that's one of the key reasons why there's a lot of interest in it. So what we have done, we have simplified the taxobactin scaffold, developed simpler taxobactin uh, analogs, which showed good potency against superbugs such as MRSA and good safety. And we have also demonstrated scalability. So we are moving this forward in preclinical testing. And I hope that it can treat patients in the clinic in near future. You mentioned the cost of this research, both in terms of the financial costs and the time it takes for it to have an impact. Something that Alison mentioned earlier was preventative measures and the importance of behavioural change and the benefit of bringing the humanities into this work. So, Alison, what behavioural changes do you think are important and how can non-STEM subjects be involved? So, thanks, Ashton. I mean, this is absolutely critical. And, and you know, we, we've touched a little bit about the kind of importance of interdisciplinary 
research and and there are some truly unique um truly unique strengths here particularly the kind of clinical pharmacology which is just uh, amazing which we can't find in many places this is a societal a, a major societal issue it's a major global challenge and in terms of how we prescribe and how we prevent and how we access antimicrobials and how we have systems that manage them. These are all social issues. So, you know, my, my background is as a physician and in infectious diseases. I've worked for many, many years in the NHS. And so much of the issue around how we use antimicrobials in the NHS is not driven by the research. It's not driven by what the microbiologists say. It's driven by issues around behavior, hierarchies, teamwork, it's a complex social process, the prescribing. We're very lucky. We've also got a colleague of mine, um, Esmita Chirani, who was appointed here and has just won a Welcome Investigator Award, who's absolutely kind of developed the work around how these um, social drivers, behavioral drivers, hierarchical drivers, contextual and um, cultural factors whether you're in a you know acute medicine in a high resource setting or whether you're in a rural communities, how critically important it is that we we grasp that um, and recognize things beyond individual behaviors, but also how policy is developed and the issues around economics and and the the issues around not embracing what's already there in terms of technologies and in terms of very simple interventions that are not costly i mean ishwar was saying i mean drug development is hugely costly but we, there are many many things that we can be doing to prevent the need and minimize the need for using antimicrobials and make sure that when we do use them, we can use them effectively and appropriately and all around the world has access to the ones that they need. And the other thing, can I just also mention, it's really, it's really important, the societal engagement piece, you know, just like engaging with the young about the importance of climate change. It's great that we're going to save the environment and save the world, but we will not have a health care because we will not be able to have antimicrobials, which is what we're absolutely dependent on. So we need to find ways of getting the next generation really involved in this and support career development and opportunities and, you know, engage with educationists and everything, because this is an issue that the next generation really, really have to be behind. That future-proofing approach that you've been talking about, training up the next generation to tackle this problem, it would be great to hear a little bit more about how you see that working. William, I don't know if that's something that you're working on um, at the moment. It somehow has to be elevated. There has to be the, the issues about... Well, so broad societal engagement, um, so that most people actually don't know about this problem. It's quite a difficult problem to communicate to people. Um, and because, you know, antimicrobial resistance is really at its, at, at fundamentally is a struggle for life. There's not a solution to it. It has to be managed or curated. And that requires all sorts of different people with different skill sets and so inclusivity is absolutely key to arriving at solutions that are creative. Um, it's not, this is not a biomedical problem. And creating the sorts of environment which enable 
that sort of problem solving and that sort of culture is what we are building we have the most fantastic people um already and we're we're looking for more we're not talking about maybe people that are traditionally part of this space we're looking for anybody that can make a contribution because we think that the solutions that are required are occurring in spaces we can't even see at the moment so it's hard to give you a straight answer to that ashton other than it's it's a positive time for this field because it has to be to Allison's point it has to be there have to be solutions to this but they're not they're not going to be straightforward biomedical solutions the solutions are going to come from all walks of life. It's understandable to not have a straightforward answer to a question that I'm sure isn't very straightforward for you at the moment. You've spoken about the solutions to this problem coming from all walks of life, so I'd like to return to that idea of training opportunities and recruitment. I think that Liverpool is currently recruiting for AMR-related positions, so perhaps each of you could describe the kind of candidate you're looking for and what they can expect from joining Liverpool's team in addressing this challenge. So maybe we can just go around the three of you, um, Alison, William and then Ishvar. It's really exciting that there's a, uh, you know, incredible mix of expertise. There's also this um, huge enthusiasm, aspiration and ambition about appointing world-class research in this area. But coupled with the world-class research, which absolutely needs to be interdisciplinary, I mean, the the joy of working with engineers, chemists, social scientists, et cetera, is really, really critical and um, incredibly important. But also on the medical side, we have to be multi-professional as well and be able to support um, clinical academics and clinical academics that don't just include doctors, but include pharmacists, nurses, uh, biomedical scientists, et cetera, um, technicians. We, we, we've got an amazing opportunity to invest in developing in careers and developing in careers locally within Liverpool, as well as attracting and developing careers with national and international links and look at exchange and um, our international reach around infectious diseases and AMR to really um, add to the strength that there is here in Liverpool. And I'm looking forward to a major recruitment drive that's um, supported also by the Welcome Trust initiative that we described earlier, but also from the investment and certainly the um, David Price Evans endowment, which has been fantastically useful. And we'll be looking at how we can creatively do a bit of a kind of recruitment drive to get people at all sorts of levels and uh, across a range of, of, of disciplines and, and professions. And I think it's going to be really exciting. Well, thanks, Alison. So I don't I wouldn't want to limit myself to any particular type of discipline, because as we've discussed, I think it cross, cuts across everything where I think we're interested in primarily in people that are highly creative, are prepared to challenge the status quo and be disruptive, that think about problems at, at scale, so problems that are relevant to Liverpool, but also uh, uh, have a global perspective. Uh, and I think that people that have a sense of wanting to make a contribution that is significant and lasting are the sorts of people that we're interested in hiring. People that are driven and successful and enjoy and can manage in complexity. I think that they're the types of people, Ashton, that we would like to hear from. William and Alison have already you know, described very nicely and we work as a team, but I see this, uh, you know, people who are really 
motivated and passionate about taking the MR as a challenge to solve this, you know, problem. That kind of people, you know, uh, we are interested in. You collectively described an exceptionally well-rounded person, and I hope that you find those candidates to join you in this vital work. But that does bring us to the end of our episode. So I'd like to thank you again for speaking with me today and to our listeners for tuning in. For more insights from this conversation, you can visit the Times Higher Education and University of Liverpool hub at timeshighereducation.com forward slash University of Liverpool. Subscribe to the THE Connect podcast to receive the latest episodes as soon as they're released.